Hebrews chapter 6, in a series called This Hope, and we read this last week. I want to set up today, and we're going to hang out in this verse again today, um, and just hang out for a moment. Uh, I, I, let me mention two things. One, May 29th, a Wednesday night, we will have Mark and Bernie Kelsey, who are the global growth directors for C3, um, basically overseeing 500 churches. They were the first people to get saved in C3 church, like, 30 years ago, and now they're overseeing 500 plus local congregations all over the world, and they're going to be with us. It's an extreme high privilege to have them here with us on Wednesday the 29th. So clear your calendar. Find We'll have childcare, but you can find a babysitter if you want, and make sure that you are available on May 29th. It's going to be a special night together, and then the next month we start C3 College uh, School of Leadership and possibly um, talking about moving in the Holy Spirit as well. So might be running two courses. So so if you're interested, let us know. School of Leadership, we're going to come recruit some of y'all. And uh, some of you guys want to lean in. It would be a great opportunity for you. It's, it's really good, good stuff. All right, Hebrews chapter 6. You ready? Gave you a little extra time to do that. I heard this week a joke uh, that it, you would be happy to know that they do now have the Bible in print. Um, so if you would like to grab a copy of the Bible, uh, my favorite currently is uh, just got released for you fellas is a Bible called the He Reads Truth Bible. It's uh, the Christian Standard Bible. Um, my wife has a version of it called She Reads Truth. That's the one that really made it all happen. They, they are just blowing the roof off of stuff. But um, She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth. And uh, they're big, they're bulky, um, and they're awesome. So uh, I'd encourage it, 30 bucks, I think. And it's good to have a Bible that will last. Yeah? Amen? You want me to make a corny joke about the Bible lasting and you lasting? Okay, cool. Um, Hebrews chapter 6. Open your Bible. Here we go. Verse 15. And so, after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. How many of you know hope will help you be patient? None of you? Okay, cool. Verse 16, for men, well, you guys are the 9 o'clock service, so some of you are still waking up, maybe you had a donut, now you're like tired, you're, you're, you're crashing a little bit. Some of you came because for you moms, it's like, I'm going to go to brunch after this, right? The 1045 crowd is the one who's had husbands who brought them breakfast in bed, and, uh, and so, so the 9 o'clock is, I'm going to get brunch after this, and the kids are going down for a nap, and you have to watch them, right? That's the, that's the 9 o'clock crowd. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have a strong encouragement to seize the hope. Everybody say, seize the hope. Seize the hope. Grab hold of it. Take hold of the hope set before us. And this is the verse we've been hanging out in. Verse 19. We have this hope, this hope, as an anchor for our lives, safe and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And he's talking about the Holy of Holies, which is where in the Old Testament we would have built a tabernacle, and that was the place that the high priest went one time a year to pray for the sins of the people. And it would be the presence of God. And they would, and this is not even a joke, they would tie a rope around his ankle just in case um, things went poorly, and uh, they would, like, that's legit, I mean, like, when y'all come into church, I'm going to tie a rope around our ankles, like, it's going to get serious, and, um, and so th th what it's referencing is Jesus being our forerunner, our pioneer, the first of, and he went into the presence of God, that our anchor dwells in the presence of God, that it is a heavenly hope, not an earthly hope. 
How many of you know there is a difference between heavenly hope and earthly hope? The heavenly hope is one of, of confident expectation. Earthly hope is circumstantial. Earthly hope is based upon how things are going to go, possibly might go. It's why the lottery system thrives. Because we are hoping that this works out. And for many of us, we live according to this kind of circumstantial hope. If things are going well, I'm good. If things are not going well, I may not be so good. We talk about a job, I hope that goes well. Talk about a relationship, I hope it goes well. And there are all these kind of circumstanceful, circumstantial, wishful hopes in our lives. And you wonder why for so many of us, we kind of go up and down with the seasons. Up and down with whatever comes our way. And I would, I would, just, I would just submit to you, I would just kind of throw this to you that, that as believers, as people who trust in Jesus, we should not be ones that are thrown around by every wave of doctrine, every wind of teaching, every single thing that comes along. We should be people with a certain, a confident hope. Amen? Y'all the nine o'clock crowd, so you got to amen louder. Amen? amen? And so there's this, this idea here in this scripture that we have a hope that is our anchor. It is something that is meant to hold us in place. How many of you have ever had circumstances and, and, and situations and, and things that hit your life, uh, some uh, minimal or, or, or maybe a bit trivial and some very heavy and difficult and challenging, and at the end of that circumstance or situation, at the end of that uh, a, a journey, you have found yourself way far away from who you believe you are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It could be the, the end of a long day. In fact, I was talking to someone just prior to this service who said that they read uh, This Is Hope. This, no, sorry, My Name Is Hope, a book I would recommend you reading during this uh, series, especially if you have an issue with anxiety or worry or depression. And, uh, and he read it in one day. Technically, he listened to it, but let's not, let's not worry about that. So, um, but... My name is Hope. Fantastic. And he said, man, there were days when I would come home after a long day of work, and I would be mad and frustrated, and I would get angry about something or yell at my wife about something. And, and the, the reason uh, he was bringing this up was to say that that's not who I wanted to be. That's not who I desired to be, but the circumstances of my life and the circumstances of my day affected me, and my anchor was not set. And so I veered away from who God had called me to be or shaped me to be or made me to be, and I end up in a place far different than I ever expected. Can anyone identify? Now, I love about the Bible is that there's, a, there's an acknowledgement of the fact that, that you, you may not always do everything you expected to do in the way you expected to do it. The Bible is not trying to deny that there are difficult circumstances or situations. The Bible is not full of men and women who did everything perfectly and everything went according to plan. Most religions, some of the primary religions, would be built upon this idea that someone achieved perfection. The Bible really doesn't talk about that except when to tell the story of Jesus. And it's the authors of the Bible that talk about Jesus' perfection, not himself which is also a unique characteristic of the Bible, is that people who witness Jesus' lives is the one, are the ones who talked about his perfection, talked about his, um, his life and who he was and what he did. And so here's this idea of this anchor 
that is an anchor for our lives or for our souls. Because our souls, best defined probably, is everything that has to do with our lives, our mind, will, body. When those things are in alignment, our soul is healthy. When they are not, it's not. When we want it to do something but we don't do something, that's when we get frustrated. Why? Because our mind and our will is separated from what our body is actually doing. Anyone relate? It's this idea that we are anchored in something, that we are held tightly to something, that we are not being pushed off of who God's called us to be, dependent upon the wind and waves. And we talked about this very idea that, that the anchor resides below the wind and the waves. In other words, our hope is not, it is not in whether or not the wind or the waves are calm. It is in whether or not we are anchored below the waves and the wind. So it is not this idea, the gospel is not a story of perfection, that once you decide to follow Jesus, that the waves go away and the wind is dealt with, that the sun comes up and we have a day like today. It's, it is the idea that even like yesterday when we threw a three-year-old birthday party and the rain's coming down, that we still had something to anchor ourselves to. That sometimes it, it is going to be difficult and sometimes it's not going to go so well and yet your hope doesn't change because your anchor is not in whether or not the wind or the waves are calm. It is whether or not your, your anchor is secure. And far too many of us and far too many of our generation just based on the statistics of depression and suicide and all these other things. Young people who don't believe there is any hope for the future and so they live today, they're present as though there is no hope. There's something about this idea that there needs to be a hope that resides beyond our circumstances. Now, as this week, as I was preparing something, and really I was, I was doing a little video on YouTube. You can go watch it on our YouTube page. We're going to try to do it on a, uh, more often and on a regular basis, kind of just a recap of what we talked about last week, especially for those of you who, who were not here. And because um, it was good. It was better in long form than the six-minute version I did on the video. I'm just saying. But, but, um, as I was sharing it, I, this thought came into my mind as I was sharing it, and it's kind of become the, the basis for uh, this, this week, is that when you, uh, you know you're anchored when you feel the tension. Now, I know some of you are already like, I don't like this message. I don't, I'm pretty sure I want to leave now, right? But some of you sat in the middle, and you can't, because it would be awkward and weird, and everybody would see it. And I would call you out. Okay. But you don't know that you're anchored until you feel what? Tension. If you don't feel the tension, there's a good chance you've got no anchor. See, for so many of us, we love this idea that we're free and we can do whatever we want. And the reality is all we're saying is we have nothing to anchor our lives to. And we're telling young people all the time, you're free, do whatever you want to do. Which is crazy to me. Because I don't want to drive next to that teenager when they drive however they want to drive. We don't believe that when we tell them that. And we put all these things in our hearts and our minds. We put these things in our culture and in our gen generations that say just do and be whatever you want. That freedom somehow is the, the loss of conviction and the loss of value and the loss of virtue and the loss of anchor. When the reality is freedom is the ability to be who you are regardless of the wind or the waves or the sun shining. That's real freedom. Real freedom is to have hope when you're in despair. Real freedom is to have joy when you should be angry. Real freedom is to forgive when you should be vengeful. Real freedom is to be able to be who you are when God's called you to be it. That's real freedom. Real freedom is not someone going, oh, you should get back at them because they did something. That's not freedom. That's too obvious to be freedom. 
That's too, no, that's too easy. Real freedom is not dependent upon my circumstances. See, if your freedom is based upon your circumstances, then so will everything else be. Your hope will be based upon your circumstances too. Your joy, your faith, your future. Because you have decided that what is around you is more important than what is within you. And so you have to feel the tension. You know you are anchored when you feel the tension. I wrote a few questions down here. If I was pool starting my lawnmower and never felt the tension, guess what? Something is broken. That tension every once in a while surprises you and it hurts. If I was lifting weights and never felt the tension, guess what? I am not getting stronger. If I was bungee jumping and never felt the tension, yo, that's the last time I'm going bungee jumping. Probably last time I'm doing anything. If I was uh, skydiving and never felt the tension of the parachute, hope you enjoy the ride. If my boy was growing up, my little five-year-old, my three-year-old was growing up and never felt the tension of growth, then it's a sign, actually, that there is no growth. Pulled his first tooth this week. Actually, I didn't. My neighbor did it. You got to know my neighbor. It was loose, though, so that's okay. That's good, right? It was loose. It was time. Tension ultimately is a place of discovery. Tension in our lives is actually a place of teaching. Tension in our lives is actually a place where we find out what we are anchored to or if we are anchored at all. And I'm not trying to tell you that you should go look for tension. <laughs> I'm not trying to tell you you should go look for the challenge. I'm, I'm telling you, but it is going to come. And in that moment, you will have the opportunity to discover whether you are anchored and to what you are anchored. I don't know if you've ever entered a room that had a little bit of tension. I, I, Meredith and I watched this YouTube video the other day. Because uh, now YouTube, once you have kids, you discover that YouTube is like, it's like the number one search engine, YouTube. Young people are watching YouTube and Netflix with subtitles on because it's the only place they can find silence and quiet and stay focused. How I many you know we need to put some tension in our lives because we need to grow into something and be, become something? That was a random stat I just threw out. And, uh, but YouTube, we were watching this, and, uh, and it's one that I've actually grown to love. It's this... Um, it's this uh, YouTube network called uh, uh, Jubilee or something like that. And they, they put tape lines down this room, right? And each line represents agree, or strongly agree, or strongly disagree. So strongly disagree, disagree, somewhat disagree, not really sure, and so on. And so this one in particular, so they put like six, seven people in the same room. And so it's not like anonymous. And they say, hey, we want you to answer some questions. And this one happened to be six guys from varying backgrounds, very different places. And they asked all these questions. And they were hard questions. They were like, what was some of the, the, the job security or should you lead this or, or, or what about marriage or how about this? And all, should you pay for the first date was the very first question. Should guys pay for the first date? I, and I, I, Mary and I had this long debate about, not debate, we were in agreement, I think, but because um, she wanted me to pay. But um, 
<laughs> but they would, they would, and so they would end up, and here's what's interesting, right? So many times we disagree from a distance. We disagree with any, without any real discussion. But they were in a room. They weren't going anywhere. And so they would end up in varying levels of agreement or disagreement, and then they would begin to, they would begin to have this conversation around what it was or why it was that they answered the way that they did. How many know there was some tension in the room? But you know what else happened in the room? Conversation. You know what happened from the conversation? Maturation. That you, you, if you aren't willing to, this is one of our core values as a church, if you're not willing to embrace the tension, then you will never engage the conversation. And if you never engage the conversation, you will never reach your full level of maturation. It's just a weird way of saying maturity. And for many of us, I don't know if you ever walked into a room that had some tension. Maybe it's a family thing or a friend thing or maybe a not-so-much-friend-anymore kind of thing, right? And there's some tension in the room. And you have an opportunity in that moment to decide what you are anchored to. You have, a mo you have an opportunity right there to realize and to discover and to maybe, in a way, reset what you are anchored to. Either I am going to be anchored to unforgiveness and bitterness and fear and insecurity, and, and, and I'm going to be anchored to accusation, and I'm going to be anchored to all, or I'm going to be anchored to hope that there is a confident expectation that there is a future to this. I'm going to be anchored to forgiveness. I'm going to be anchored to grace. I'm going to be anchored to life and joy. I'm going to see something new in this that's different than what was before. And which one do you think allows you to step into growth? Because if I don't feel any tension, I think what I've decided is, and what I can maybe surmise about myself, is that maybe I've decided there is no more room for growth. If, if I'm not willing to embrace the tension, then maybe I've decided that where I am is good. I'm, I'm good there. If I never feel the tension of another bench bar, then I've, I've and maybe I have decided that. Oh. Um, if, I've never if, I, if I never feel that tension again, then I've probably decided I don't need to get any more healthy. If I never feel the tension of deciding between a cheeseburger and a celery stick, that's a terrible choice. Like, would you rather... If I never have to feel those kind, that kind of tension, those kind of decisions, then what I've decided actually in that moment is that there is no more room for growth for me. See, tension is a place that if I'll embrace it and if I'll lean into it, then I can find growth. Because tension tells me what I've tethered myself to. Tension tells me what I've tied myself to. Tension reveals so much of who I am and what I believe in. It, it, I don't know about you, but I, I find that in chaos and in challenge and in difficult circumstances, I find out who I really am. How many of you thought you had a really good boss until things went poorly? Right? How many thought you had a really good marriage until the bank account went a little bit empty? How many, how many thought you had things really figured out until things weren't so figured out? Uh, Meredith, I tell this story. Meredith uh, was taking a shower the other day, and I, uh, for the first time in 10 years, I haven't done it in a long time. I don't know where it came from. It was just one of those things that maybe I just wanted to test my marriage. I took a cup of water, and Meredith takes really, 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 really hot showers, like to the point that I will not get in them, right? And, and I took this cup of water, and I dumped it over, and I realized Meredith's level of sanctification. Like... <laughs> In that moment, I knew exactly where, and it gave me such hope for my future. 
it, it's, it's in the crises, it's in the difficulties where you begin to decide and begin to understand what you are tethered to, what you are tied to. In fact, Romans talks about this. Paul talks about this. And, and I, what I'm about to read to you, again, is not one of those scriptures that you're going to be excited that I'm reading to you. You are not going to go, man, Brandon, you are really bringing me some life today. Happy Mother's Day. Romans 5. Paul says this, therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, he starts out really good. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice. I'm telling you, he started great. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our hope is in the fact that one day God's glory will be fully revealed to people. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Our hope is that God is coming back and bringing heaven to earth. That we're not trying to be pie in the sky. We're trying to bring the sky onto the earth. Right? We're trying to bring heaven to earth. That's what Jesus taught us to pray. We will continue to pray and we'll continue to live that way. And so he, taught, he starts really, really well, but then I think Paul realizes he's writing to, this, to, the, to the Christians in Rome, to the Jews in Rome, which meant that things were not going well for them. They were being persecuted. Life was not good. You were not awesome. You were not well off if you were a Christian in Rome. For one thing, that even your own people were probably rejecting you because you were rejecting a certain way of doing life. And on top of that, you were under Roman occupation. And so Paul's writing, and somewhere in this, he's going, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then he goes, oh, but for some of you, things are difficult. Now, Paul knows this. Paul has been to prison a couple times. Paul's been beaten. Paul is not a stranger to some of these things. Verse 3 says, and not only that, but we also rejoice. But we also rejoice in our afflictions. Because we know that affliction produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character. And proven character produces hope. So I don't know if y'all followed, but it starts with affliction, troubles, trials. In fact, you could translate this word as pressure. You ever had some pressure points in your life? Some of you have pressure points in your life right now. And some of it's the tension. I know there's tension in the room now. Uh, this, this past year for us as a family, I lost my, the last grandmother, my mom's mom passed away. Uh, and a, and a, two months later, we, we lost our, the newest mom to our family, my sister-in-law, to cancer. Uh, a month after getting married to my brother. And that was hard. That was so hard. That was pressure. That was tribulation. That was challenge for, to watch my brother walk through that. And she was a mom of three beautiful, amazing boys. Continue to pray about that. Bryce doesn't get to see them very often, um, if at all. And uh, we're praying that changes. But... That, that was hard. It was difficult in the span of a couple months to, to walk through those things. Both of them incredible moms. And what do you do when you run into trial and tribulation? What do you do when you run into pressure on your life? What do you do when the wind and the waves seem to be bigger and larger and coming faster than ever before? And they just seem to never give you a breath, never give you a break, never give you an option to just take a moment. What do you do in those moments? Because this is, this is this, this, I love the verse, it's great, I love that it produces hope, but I don't really want to go through the afflictions. 
I don't really want to go through the tension. I don't really want to go through the problems. I don't want to go through the pressure. I don't want to go through the circumstances. I don't want to deal with it all. I, I, I don't know what kind of tension you feel today. I think we live as Christians, and we're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. There's a lot of tensions that I want to address. But, but we deal with a lot of tension and just the simple fact that on some days we see the beauty that God has created and the beauty that God wants us to enjoy. And on other days we see the exact opposite. We live in this tension of now but not yet. We live in this tension of days where we feel like we are seeing heaven on earth and in other days where we feel like we're seeing hell on earth. And we, we wonder as believers what does this mean? We live with the tension of pain and yet gratitude. We live in this tension often of we are not home, but we are home. We, we live in this weird, strange tension as believers. And we have to decide, like this verse says, that, that in the affliction and in the tension and in the difficulty, what do we choose? Do we choose endurance? As a quote that I read this week, it says, I do not like crises, but I do like the opportunities they provide. I do like the opportunities that crises provide. Difficulties and challenges provide opportunities for us to decide what we would be anchored to and what we will continue to lean into. I don't know about this, but when, you, when you're working out, it, it, it is, it is the, the commitment to what you are doing that will continue to help you grow. So there's this verse. I want to read this verse to you, Psalm uh, 119. I want to read this verse because I think this, this would sum it up. And again, this is just the Bible being the Bible. This is the this is the Bible being honest and clear. And the writers of Psalms, uh, it's interesting. So many times we, we create Psalms and it's like, oh, we read Psalms and we think, man, these songs of joy and life. And the reality is that half of the book of Psalms is, is lament and discouragement and frustration and going, God, why are you doing it this way? Why are you letting them be successful and not me? Why are you, do, why are you letting my enemies win? I don't understand all these things going on. And I want to read this verse to you. Psalm 119, 81. And, and if you followed after these verses, you would realize he really is frustrated. He says, I am worn out waiting for your rescue. Anybody? I'm worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. I'm worn out waiting for your rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. That's where it starts. The affliction happens, the trial happens, the difficulty happens, and then you have an opportunity to either endure Right? You either have an opportunity to persevere, to lean into whatever the situation might be. You have an opportunity to lean into that, or you have an opportunity to withdraw from that. But if you withdraw from that, then you will not make it to the next thing. The next thing is what? Character. My endurance through the challenge, my endurance and perseverance through the issue. Now, please don't get me wrong here. The subject of the psalmist's hope is not his own strength. It is the strength of Jesus. My hope is in your word that is ever true, is true and steadfast and strong. His hope is in that. So the, the, our faith is what produces our hope because our faith is our belief in who he is. Right? But this endurance comes when I, I'm going to endure because I trust you, I believe in you, and in that you discover some new things about yourself and the, 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 the ancient writers would have used things like fire or storms or those things to talk about things that purify us, to strip away the things that aren't real. Character is integrity. It is being true to what you say you are, who you say you are on, on a consistent basis. Not one time, but over the course of time. 
So character is developed as the fruit of the Spirit is given room to work in your life. Because you plant the seed of the gospel and the Holy Spirit begins to work love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. But those produce takes time. And so it might reside in you, but it might take a moment to come out of you. It might have been planted in you, but it might take a couple chances for you to begin to realize the fruit of joy. But that happens in the the place of endurance and perseverance. And then you develop this place of character where you know it is true. Character is an elusive concept to those who despise suffering. Character is an elusive concept to those who despise tension. When we despise the tension, we've actually despised the opportunity for us to grow. Again, we're not saying that you should go looking for it, but we are saying you can persevere through it. And the tension, the tension reveals some things about us and teaches us some things about ourselves. So the hope w- wasn't the choice. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily choose hope. I choose the word of God that gives me hope. I don't necessarily choose joy. I choose the God who produces joy. It is always a cause and effect. And if you get those out of order, you will, dis- you will discourage yourself. You'll be fresher with yourself because at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, you will not be so joyful. Because you've chosen to do it in your own strength. Hope is the confidence that what God has done for us in the past guarantees our participation in what God will do in the future. I want to read one more verse, and it's really the last part of Romans chapter 5, or the last part of the section that we just read. Verse 5 says this, this hope, everybody say this hope. There it is again, this hope, because it's not that hope, it's this hope. This hope is different than that hope. Quit putting your hope in that hope. Put your hope in this hope. This hope, this hope will not disappoint us. Come on. This hope will not disappoint us. This hope that is produced out of affliction as we've endured and developed character and character being true to who we are on a regular basis will produce in us a more confident expectation of what is to come. Because character is the ability to see past our circumstance. Character is the ability to remain true to who you are and who God has developed you and who God has made you to be in spite of what everyone else might say about you or in spite of what your circumstances are trying to dictate to you. Character is being who you are always, behind closed doors and out in public. Character. And so when I have character, when I can trust who I am and who God is in me, when I can, and really the reality of this is not trusting my own character, it's trusting the character of God which develops and shapes mine. It is trusting that grace is his character. It's trusting that joy is in his character, that love is his character, that that he will be with us and for us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. That is his character. It is who he is. That even when things get difficult, he's there with us to endure. And in the endurance, he's developing character. And the character, being true to who we are and true to who he is, is what develops in us hope. And this hope, this hope will not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Verse 6, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, God died, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us, just I want to be clear. Some of y'all are thinking of other people. 
This hope will not disappoint. Why? Because it is not built in the idea that somehow you and I can figure everything out and solve every issue and deal with every feeling. And uh, It's built on the idea that Jesus Christ gave everything for you and I. And that hope will never disappoint. Lord, I'm waiting for you to rescue me. I'm tired of actually waiting. I'm tired of being in this place. But I choose your word. I hope in your truth. I hope in your promises. It is no longer circumstantial. It is confident expectation of the future built on what Jesus has already done. And so I can participate in what he is going to do. I want to pray a verse over you. Um, This is how I want to close today out. And then we're going to pray in a moment. We're going to sing together. We're going to worship together. We're going to go on with our day. And I want you to acknowledge the tension. For some of you, there is tension in your life. And it is not, uh, it is not a, a requirement of the Bible to deny the tension. In fact, I think there is, is a very real truth in here that you should acknowledge the tension. You should embrace the tension because in the tension, God is teaching you. In the tension, God is revealing some things about you. In the tension, he is reminding you that he has not left you. He has not forsaken you. And even in the trials and even in the challenges. And for some of us who have lost loved ones, we're going to be talking about this in a moment. We were not made for the temporary. See, in the code of the earth is goodbye. The code of heaven is I'll see you soon. So the idea of resurrection changes everything about our perspective on life. The idea of what we are and who we are and what we are walking into completely changes. I want to read Romans 15, 13, and I want to pray this over you. And I'm going to give you an opportunity in a moment to respond to the hope that's found in Jesus. And some of you, you have stopped at the comma of Psalm 119 that I've been, I'm tired of waiting for you to rescue. For some of you today, the declaration is but, but my hope, my hope is in the word of God. And John tells us that the word was with God and the word was God and the word is Jesus. Romans 15, 13. Would you just bow your heads? I want to pray this over you today. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That you may overflow with hope, with confident expectation, with a strong anchor. Overflow with an anchor that never, ever gives in breaks down. An anchor that no matter the wave or the wind you can stay true to who God has made you to be. The anchor that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that means he is always for you. He is always with you. And he has sent the Holy Spirit that you might abound and overflow with 